Merry Christmas. My name is Adam. If we haven't met, I'm part of the team here at Oasis Church, and it's great to be with you today. Uh, whether you're part of our church family, or whether this is the church that you visit, or, or whether this is your first time with us, uh, we're just really glad to have you with us, and I uh, hope that you have a wonderful, a wonderful Christmas. I, I want to begin today by telling you a story that I heard recently. There was an airplane that was uh, flying through the sky, and it's cruising along, but then suddenly it lost power to all of its engines. And as it began to plummet to the earth, the pilot announced to the terrified passengers, I'm sorry, but there's five of us and only four parachutes. Now I'm the pilot, it's my plane, so I'm taking one. And he put one on and he jumped out of the plane. Now remaining on the plane was a young father, an elite scientist, an elderly gentleman, and a young backpacker. Now, the young dad immediately said, look, I've got a family that rely on me. I have to have one of these parachutes. He put one on and he jumped out of the plane. The, the scientist immediately said, I am one of the greatest minds of our, in our country. I'm one of the greatest scientists alive today. I have to survive. The world needs me. I need to take one of those parachutes. He put one on and he jumped out of the plane. Now there's two people left and one parachute. And so the elderly gentleman turns to the, the backpacker and begins to say, listen, son, I've had a long and happy life. Why don't you? But then the, the young backpacker interrupts him and says, listen, don't worry about it. That scientist just jumped out of the plane with my backpack on. Now, here's the point. It's easy to assume that you have the real thing when, in fact, you don't. It's easy to assume that you know what you're doing when, in actual fact, you don't. And, friends, the same can be true for Christmas. When it comes to the Christmas story, we assume we know what it means. We know the details. We know the message. We know the meaning. We've sung the songs. We've heard the sermons. We've been to the services. We know what it's all about. But maybe we don't. Maybe we've missed it. Maybe we've misheard it. Maybe we've misunderstood it. Maybe we've gotten used to it and become immune to it. Maybe we've jumped out of the plane without a backpack on, with a backpack on, without a parachute on. Now today, we're gonna to be looking at a story from the Bible which introduces us to someone who got it. They understood the meaning of Christmas. They understood the significance of Jesus and they responded appropriately. Now, this person that I'm talking about is a man named Simeon. And it's my guess that some of us in this room haven't even heard of Simeon. I mean, when it comes to the Christmas story, Simeon is not a big hitter, is he? He's not an A-lister. 
If there were credits attached to the Christmas story, you wouldn't expect to see Simeon's name near the top. You'd expect to see Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the the angels and the shepherds. You'd even expect to see the cows and the sheep before Simeon appears. But Simeon shows us something important. Simeon can teach us the meaning of Christmas. He can show us the significance, the identity of Jesus and how we can and should respond. Now, we find Simeon's story in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke is one of the four historical accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, It's called Luke because it was written by a man named Luke. Now, Luke was a, a physician, a doctor. He was an educated man. And he wrote this account of Jesus' life to give us certainty about Jesus. He actually wrote it to a young Christian named Theophilus. This is what he says right at the beginning of his book, his gospel. He says in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 3, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Luke hasn't dreamed this up. Luke hasn't made this up. Luke has investigated all of this about Jesus carefully. He says, Since I've done this, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Why has he done it? so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught, the certainty of the things about Jesus. And so as we look at the story of Simeon today, it's my hope and it's my prayer that if you are a believer in Jesus, that you will leave this place, that you will go and enjoy your your lunch and your Christmas day with greater certainty about Jesus, with a deeper trust in Jesus, with a genuine love for Jesus. And it's my hope and it's my prayer, if you're not a believer in Jesus, that you'll leave this place today and you will at least consider the claims of Jesus. You'll at least take them seriously and think about what they could mean for you. So what do we learn from Simeon? What does he show us and teach us about the significance of Christmas and the identity of Jesus. Three things that I want us to see from this passage. The first is this. Jesus makes us ready to die. Jesus makes us ready to die. Have you ever heard the saying, if this happened or if that happened, I could die a happy man. I could die a a happy woman. You know, if the Broncos just won another premiership, just, you know, didn't give it away in the last 10 minutes. Can you tell I'm still hurting? (laughs) This is essentially what Simeon is saying here. He's saying, I can die a happy man. Look at what he says, verse 29. Sovereign Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can now die a happy man. Now, what has led Simeon to this point? What has enabled him to be able to say this? Well, the answer is the baby that he's holding in his arms. The baby that he's been waiting for for years. You see, right back at the very beginning, right back at the start of the Bible, God made a promise, a promise to send a Messiah, a Savior, which is what that word Messiah means. In other words, to send someone who would fix our mess. And for thousands and thousands of years, God's people had been waiting for the Messiah to come, 
waiting for the promised Savior to arrive. And Simeon had been made this incredible promise from God. God had said to Simeon, before you die, you will see this Messiah with your own eyes. You will hold him in your arms. And so for years, Simeon had been looking for him, longing for him, wondering, when am I going to see him? And now it's about five weeks after the birth of Jesus, five weeks after that first Christmas night. And uh, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, they do what all good Jewish parents would do at that time. They bring their son, they bring Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to God. And Simeon happened to be at the temple at the same time. Uh, Verse 27 says he was moved by the Holy Spirit to be there. And it's presumably through the influence of the Holy Spirit that when Simeon sees Mary and Joseph, when he sees baby Jesus, he knows this is the one. This is who I've been waiting for. This is who we've been longing for. And the next thing you know, Simeon is holding baby Jesus in his arms and he is singing. He is praising God. Now put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes for just a minute. They've probably gotten used to some strange things happening in the last few months. They've gotten used to the idea that Jesus is not your average baby. But any time a stranger uh, uh, is kind of holding your child and singing over them, that's going to be an unsettling moment. And without wanting to, to be stereotypical, it's not usually the men doing this, it's usually the old ladies doing this. You know, holding the babies, pinching their cheeks, saying strange things like, I could just eat them up. That's weird. But as Mary and Joseph listen to what Simeon is actually saying, we're told in verse 33, they marveled at what was said about him. Simeon has recognized the identity of Jesus. Simeon says, Lord, I have seen your salvation. I have seen your Savior. I have seen your Messiah. I can now die a happy man. And friends, the truth is, this experience of Simeon, it can be our experience as well. If we will recognize the identity of Jesus, that child that was born on that first Christmas day, if we will recognize the good news of Christmas, we too can face death with peace. We too can face the grave with confidence. Now let's be honest, this is not the normal experience in our world. This is not how most people face death. Woody Allen, the the famous uh, actor and director, he was once asked, aren't you pleased that, that you will live on in the hearts and the minds of the people that you've touched? To which he replied, I don't want to live on in hearts and minds. I want to live on in my apartment. Now, maybe something in you resonates with that. You see, death is our greatest enemy. It interrupts our relationships. Maybe this Christmas you're grieving the loss of a loved one. You miss them. You miss talking with them. You miss being with them. You miss relationship with them. This is what death does. It disintegrates our bodies. 
It insults our dignity. Reminds us, as Shakespeare said in Hamlet, that, that we are worm food. I mean, it's hideous. It's cruel. It's frightening. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. I don't care how much kale you eat or how many kilometers you run or how many vitamins you take. None of us can escape death. But here's why Simeon is singing as he's holding Jesus. Here's why you and I can sing in the face of death. Because while we can do nothing about it, God has done everything about it in Christ by sending Jesus. This is why he came. This is part of the good news of Christmas. Jesus came to defeat death on our behalf, to defeat our greatest enemy. Now, Simeon only kind of saw this in part. He didn't know how Jesus would do this exactly, but we do. I mean, we can keep reading Luke's gospel and we can see that Jesus would die on the cross in our place for our sin, for our evil, for our rebellion against God. Jesus would pay that penalty on our behalf. And then three days later, Jesus would rise again. He would rise for our salvation. He would deliver a death blow to death itself. I mean, because of what Jesus has done, the way to God is open, not closed. The grave is not the end, it's just the beginning. And our future is not dark and murky and unknown. Our future is bright and certain and hopeful in Jesus. And this is why we can sing. This is why Simeon is singing. This is why we can sing that line from Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which we're going to do in just a few moments. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. This is why Christmas is such good news. Jesus makes us ready to die. But Christianity and the claims of Jesus and the good news of Jesus, it's not just for the future. It's also for our lives in the present. And this is the second thing that Simeon shows us in this song that he's singing over Jesus. He shows us Jesus makes us ready to die. Secondly, he reveals to us that Jesus shows us the way to God. You know, in Simeon's song, he, he says there in verse 32 that this child that he's holding, this Messiah, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, the word Gentiles there simply means nations. Simeon is saying that Jesus came for all people. Jesus came for the whole world. And he came as a light. He entered into our darkness to show us the way to God, to show us the way home. It's a bit scary, but I want you to imagine that, that we had spent our entire lives in this room. We were born in this room. We'd never left this room. There were no windows. There were no doors. There was absolutely no access to the outside world. Now, the question is, how would we know what is beyond? How would we know what is outside? How would we even know there is an outside? Now, we could guess, we could speculate, we could come up with theories, 
But the only way that we're going to know is for someone from the outside to come to us on the inside and to tell us what we need to know, to show us the way we need to go. And the incredible, astonishing, amazing claim of Christmas is that this is exactly what God has done for us in Jesus. That Jesus is the man from outside. That Jesus is the one from above. That Jesus enters into our darkness to tell us what we need to know, to show us the way that we need to go. He is a light in the darkness. And it reminds me a little bit of a a man named Des, his story. You know, Des grew up in England. Des had a very difficult upbringing. But it was later in his life when uh, he experienced a relationship betrayal and it broke him completely. It was Christmas time and, and Des was in such a dark place that he decided to put an end to it all, to literally drink himself to death. And on his way to the bottle shop, Des actually heard the sound of singing. And he wandered into the back of a carol service at a local church. And as he stood up, as he stood up the back, a, a lady got up and she read from John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And she read this about Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Des said that as he's standing there, those words hit him like rays of hope. He said, for the first time, I felt loved. And Des found a life in Jesus that he didn't even know was possible. He found relationship with God, forgiveness for his sins, hope for the future. He found light in his darkness. And the question for every single one of us at Christmas is will we come to the light? Will we step into the light? And of course, the reality is that not everyone has, that many people have rejected the light. And this leads us to the third and final thing that we see from Simeon. We've seen that Jesus makes us ready to die Jesus shows us the way to God. And thirdly and finally, Jesus forces us to decide. You know, after Simeon finishes his song, he he gives a blessing to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But it's an unusual blessing. It's not what you'd expect, but it reveals to us something that we don't often think about at Christmas. Yes, Christmas is good news of great joy, but Christmas is also a confrontation. Look at what Simeon says to Mary. He says, this child, this child Jesus the Messiah is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now, do you hear what Simeon is saying? He's saying Jesus came to polarize people, to divide people. Jesus causes you to either rise or to fall. He will cause everyone to either rise or to fall. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. There's no neutrality. Uh, Apparently, uh, an archbishop was one day talking uh, to the actress, Jane Fonda. And he said to her, uh, Jane, Jesus is the son of God. To which Jane replied, well, he may be the son of God for you, but he isn't the son of God for me. To which the archbishop replied, Jane, either he is, or he isn't. Either he is, or he isn't. 
You know, I've said it before that Jesus is a little bit like a giant billiard ball. You know, when he, when he comes, he sends people off in all kinds of directions. But really, he sends us all off in one of two directions. You either come to him or you go away from him. You either submit to him or you reject him. You either fall on your knees, as we sang just a moment ago, or you walk away. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral position. I mean, think about what Jesus said and did. Jesus calmed the storm, raised the dead, claimed to be able to forgive sins. Jesus said things like, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Who says that? Jesus said things to people like, I have to be more important to you than your money. I have to be more important to you, Jesus said, than your family. Jesus said, if your eye or your hand gets in the way of coming between me, cut it off, pluck it out. How in your face is that? They're not things that you can just kind of shrug off. Well, that's just Jesus being Jesus. Now, you've got to get off the fence. You've got to decide. You can't just have a little bit of Jesus here and there when it's convenient. It's either all or nothing. The Christmas story, the coming of Jesus, it draws a dividing line. It provokes a decision. It forces a response. And at the first Christmas... Jesus came to you. The question is now, will you come to him? I'm not saying, will you become a religious person? Or will you try and be a better person? Or or will you add a bit of spirituality to your life? I'm not saying that. The dividing line is not between good and bad. The dividing line is not between religious and irreligious. The dividing line is Jesus. What's your response to him? You will either rise with him or you will stumble over him. And the good news of Christmas is that you don't have to work your way up to God because God has come down to you. The good news of Christmas is not are you good or bad, are you naughty or nice. It's not about what you've done, it's about what God has done for you in Christ. And the question is, will you come to him? As I hope and I pray that you have a wonderful Christmas. But I hope and I pray that if you are a believer in Jesus, you will walk out of this place with a greater certainty about Jesus. With a a deeper trust in Jesus and a genuine love for Jesus. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that if you're not a believer in Jesus... You'll walk out of this place at least considering the monumental claims of Jesus. At least taking them seriously. And if you'd like to explore the claims of Jesus further, then can I recommend that you read one of the the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We have a few copies of Luke's gospel and we have a few copies of the Bible that are available in the foyer. If you'd like to do that and you don't have one as you leave today, please feel free to grab one of those. They are our gift to you. 
Can I also recommend, if you'd like to explore the claims of Jesus further, to come back. We have services here every Sunday where we talk about Jesus every week, and you would be so welcome to come along. But whatever you do this Christmas, please, don't do nothing. The good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus is too great, too wonderful to do nothing. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the incredible gift of your son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that in him we find everything we could ever want or need or imagine. Thank you that in him we find forgiveness for our sin. We find hope for the future. And we find the greatest gift of all, which is relationship with you. Lord, however we've walked in here today, help us not to leave unchanged. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to see him for who he really is and for us to respond as we should in wholehearted worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.